You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chris Neal. So my name is Chris Neal. I'm the associate pastor here at Grace. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to meet you. And as Tommy says, we always are open for lunch and coffee and all that good stuff or just to get to know you a little better. So, but we're glad you're here. And I want to start out this morning with like a little imagination game, okay? So if the team that I say in my imagination is not your favorite team, then you can insert your said favorite team in that spot. Does that make sense? Probably not, but let's try what happens. So let's think about the Razorbacks. And how would you feel if you heard the news that the Razorback baseball team had won the national championship. Yeah, people be happy, they'd be clapping. Hashtag Razorbacks. You know, I'm not a huge baseball fan and Razorback baseball, but I watch them when they get to the World Series, you know, just like everybody else. And I, but I really admire Coach Van Horn. He's been there like 20 years. He's never bought a Harley and done anything crazy. So yeah, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if he won. Or how many of you... Like, how many of you would really cheer if you heard that the Razorback football team had won the national championship? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Or the, or the basketball team, if you heard they had won. And so I remember in 1994, kids, yes, I know, it seems so long ago. <laughs> but I was like 20 years old, and I had this beautiful hair. It was just, oh, I could lay a feather on it like nobody's business. I was out of control. Sorry, taking ladies. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But anyway, I mean, we're, we're cruising. Does anybody remember cruising? Like gas was so cheap, you could just drive all night. You just left your car running all week. Nobody cared, right? <laughs> and me and my friends were cruising up and down this street called Dixon Street. It's right in Fayetteville, man. And people were just going crazy on that street the night that the Razorbacks won the basketball national championship. And people were running up and down. I don't know where they got so many banners so quick, but people were running up and down the street. And this is a hill on Dixon Street. It kind of goes to a little valley. But anyway, people are running up and down this hill with these banners and, and just <laughs> waving these flags. And they're high-fiving each other. And they're hugging total strangers. I mean, it's crazy. And then, like on the radio station, they're playing, um, we are the champions, my friend. Like over and over again. And, and in the middle of Dixon Street down there in this little valley, they actually closed that off because so many people were down there. And, and so the cops were like, just stay down there in this valley and the streets will be closed. Just don't get in any trouble. Just stay down. And this S10 had ended up down there in this valley and people were like just jumping on it and jumping in it. And, and, and when they would jump up, the whole truck would come off the ground. The truck was never the same after that night. That's all I got to say. It was never the same. And then there were some people and they had been celebrating too much. And so they were sitting on the curb with their hands zip tied together, like a hundred people just on the curb with their hands zip tied together. Cops sitting there, and if they calm down, they just cut them and let them go. <laughs> just, just go be good. You can't arrest all these people. <laughs> it was so crazy, and I'm willing to bet that if you guys had been there, like you would have gotten caught up in the moment, and you would have started celebrating, and you would have started high fiving total strangers, and you would have started hugging people that you didn't even know. And so after all that news. I want you to hear something. 
And I want you to see how you feel when you hear this news. Through the gospel, the Gentiles, so that's you and me, are now heirs together with the promise, with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together, unified in the promise of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But Paul is saying, whether we know it or not, that each and every one of us here and online that believes in Jesus has just won the Supernatural Salvation Unity Championship. That the Gentiles are now part of God's people. So raise your hand if you're a Gentile. All right, look at this. We're finally catching on here. That's good. But how, I want you guys to really think about how does that make you feel when you hear that news as we go through the book of Ephesians? I mean, are some of you super happy about it? Are you ready to get a banner and start running up and down the streets, Arch Street or down here in Sheridan somewhere? Are you ready to start hugging total strangers and high-fiving them and stuff like that? Or is it kind of like hearing, well, the Razorback track team just won another national championship. <laughs> Everybody's like, woohoo, you know. But why is it we get so excited when our team wins and we'll go crazy? Like when my team won the Super Bowl, it's out of control. When they lost the Super Bowl, it's out of control. And like we'll hug total strangers and all that stuff, man. But when we hear that we, who used to be strangers, according to Scripture, God has grafted us into this unfolding salvation story, like sometimes we don't even uncross our arms. So I think what we're going to talk about this morning might shed a little light on all this, and it might help us to see things differently, and maybe, just maybe, we'll start to actually live as if we've won the Supernatural Salvation Unity Championship. So before we get going, I do want to little, do a little review, because in Ephesians, it's really important when you look at the words us and you, and Tommy talked about this a few weeks ago, it's really important that we understand who Paul is talking about when he uses the word us and who Paul is talking about when he uses the word you in Ephesians, especially early on in the book of Ephesians. And so when you're reading through Ephesians and you see the word us, it might help if you think to yourself, Jewish people, get it? And then you can ask, the, or is he talking about the Jew-us people? Katie said that wasn't a good, but I think it's great. <laughs> but when you're reading through it, you ask yourself, is he talking about the Jew-us people or is he talking about us-us people? And it's very important to know. And so also we talked about the word you. And so when you see the word you in Ephesians, it might help if in your mind or if you write in your Bible, if it's okay with you or whatever. But you can write the word y'all. So us and y'all, you, are very important when you're reading the book of Ephesians early on. So everybody's clear on that. And also, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this revelation, this mystery that had been made known to Paul. Does anybody in here happen to remember what this mystery or revelation was that had been made known to Paul? Oh, there it is. That's helpful. So this mystery that had been made known to Paul is Ephesians 3.6. It's everything that the book of Ephesians is kind of hinged on. This mystery, that's a good way to start out when you're telling somebody about what you're solving. Through the gospel, the Gentiles 
are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, like, you've just won the supernatural salvation unity championship. And from now on, when you read that scripture or you're looking through Ephesians, like, I want to challenge you. I'm challenging myself. Like, how does that make you feel? Especially, like, if we're here this morning and we claim to be Christians, like, how does that make you feel when you hear this news? Maybe we're not as excited as we should be when we hear news like this. But you have to understand, like, this was a a huge turning point in Scripture, a huge turning point for the Gentiles in in the history of their existence. Like, this is the reconciliation of two ethnic groups that God is bringing together. Ephesians is really a letter about this supernatural salvation unity that God had planned before he set all this in motion. Listen to this news that each of y'all have won if you believe in Christ. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets first with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in him. The whole building is coming together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So leave that up there for just a minute, Ann. So in the scripture, in this passage, it says that salvation and eternal life have come to the Gentiles. The non-Jews are now grafted in to God's unfolding salvation story for the world. Like, how beautiful is that? It's so beautiful to me. And so when we built this building, the first time, but we had no sheetrock up or anything. We had these metal studs and wooden studs. And many of you got to come in here and you wrote scriptures on the walls and you wrote verses and all this kind of stuff. Somebody wrote them on the floor, even when they're handy because we had to Use the floor. But anyway, we had so many of these verses came, like you guys came in, you wrote them everywhere. So the one that Katie and I chose, we put right up over here. Go ahead and put it up there, Right up over here by the popular door. Maybe that's why that door is so popular, because it's super anointed. We weren't even pastors then, so I don't know what's going on. But anyway, and it says that you are no longer foreigners or strangers here, that you have as much right to the name as Christian as anyone. We see it taking shape day by day. This holy temple, this house that God is building nail by nail, board by board, brick by brick. A holy people coming together, united for Christ. And man, when I wrote that verse seven, seven years ago or so now, I, I did not fully understand what I had written on that wall. I didn't. I just didn't. But, man, I just knew that I wanted people to feel welcomed when they walked through that door back there. And more importantly, I wanted people to feel welcomed back. That's my, some of you will get that. But I wanted the people to feel welcomed back when they came back in here. I wanted them to feel God's love and hope. Regardless of their past, regardless of what they had done, it doesn't matter about any of that stuff. I just wanted them to feel this welcoming love and this power of Christ when they walked through the doors. 
Because that's what Katie and I, we had experienced. We went from outsiders and strangers to being accepted into God's family. And we knew the power of that. We knew what it was like to feel this welcoming love. And we wanted it for the people that came in here too. And so if you're here today or online, you feel left out or marginalized or alone or separated from God, I'm here to tell you that this place was created for you by God. It's a holy temple that's coming together. It really is. It's God that brought you here this morning. It's God that logged you on this morning. It's God. God has brought you here for a purpose. God has a plan for your life. God is the one who's reconciling all of us together. God is the one who's bringing us all together. God is the one who transforms us. It's not about me, just me anymore. It's not just about you. It's about y'all. It's about everybody. It's about all of us coming together and experiencing this transforming love of Christ as we're in unity together, all the Lord's people. And so we talked about Paul. Paul was a bad dude. Some of you think you got a bad and you got all this shame you're carrying around. Paul had a bunch of shame. He was a bad dude. Like before he had his encounter with Jesus, he killed Christians. He would drag them off and throw women and children in holes in the ground. Like he was a bad dude, but Paul remembered who he was before he had an encounter with Jesus. No one's shame is too great. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 3.8. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ's love. Paul says, even though I am less than the least, God's going to take my broken and messed up life. He's going to take all my shame and regret. And even though I'm in prison, I know that I have a purpose. I know that God has a plan for my life. I have to tell these people who feel like outsiders that they are no longer outsiders. I have to tell these people that that feel like the least, that the riches of Christ are available to them too. Paul goes on in Ephesians 3, 9 to talk more about this mystery that God had charged him with. He said, my plan is to tell everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the manifold wisdom of the church, that's all of us together collectively, that God should be made known to the rulers and to the authorities in heavenly realms according, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may now approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. So now there are a couple of things. This is like a deep, rich passage. But there are a couple of things because one of the first things Paul talks about is how all of us, how through the church, we are the church, how through us and through the church, the multifaceted, manifold wisdom of God's love would be displayed to the world. Like this church that God is creating, this new humanity, this collective group of people that are different than each other are coming together, unified. And when we go out into the world, like we are supposed to display this multifaceted, manifold wisdom and love of God to the people that we encounter. 
Especially when we leave here and go to the restaurants. So next, Paul says, don't be discouraged because I'm in prison. It is for God's glory and actually for your glory that I'm in prison. And everybody's like, what? Being in prison isn't that glorious for most people, right? Just ask Tommy about his time at Shelby County. Ever been in the drunk? Anyway. But, but what Paul is saying here is this is one of the classic ways that the kingdom of God is dynamically different than the kingdom of this world. Because in the world, being in prison is not glorious. But in God, he turns this stuff upside down and he takes your shame and your pain and he uses it to bring glory to himself and to the people that you bring into your life. God uses this weakness, man, to help people see that he can use your shame too. Like I've seen this in the world so much. I see this shame and it robs people who come through these doors and who log on. Like my shame is too great. My sin is too much. I, I just can't do it. I can't like, no, that's not it at all. Because this noise of the world, it just keeps drawing people deeper into isolation. And in the, in, in the noise of the world, like it's comfortable there for a little while. It's comfortable misery. And they have this shame over your past or shame over your present stuff. Whatever it is, I've seen shame rob people of experiencing God's love and grace and welcoming. Like love that he has for them. And do you know why I think that is? I think a lot of it is. It's the church, and when I say the church, it's not, it's not just this building. It's all of us. We're the church. If you believe in Jesus Christ, and he's your Lord and Savior, his temple is inside you, and you take this Holy Spirit, you take yourself out of this building, you become the church. But I don't know if we fully grasp the role that we have in displaying like God's wisdom and love and hope to the people around us. We get frustrated and we get angry too easy. And people, they come up to us throughout the day and they come here and they're looking for a way to soothe their pain. They're looking for a way to, to just make the shame not hurt so much anymore. We're not doing a very good job. Instead, when they leave, they feel even more like outsiders than when they came to see us. Like they don't feel like family. It's because we're missing something. Like we're missing something that Paul says is this mystery that has now been made, made known to us, this unifying love of God to find people who are not like us and find a way to love them our day. Not just when you're all happy and everything's going great, our day. Listen to this prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3. He prays this while he's in prison trying to bring glory to God, trying to, like, I have shame in my life, Paul says, but I'm not going to let that get me down. God has given me a purpose and God has given me a plan. He says, for this reason, man, he gets on his knees. He says, I, feel, I, I, I kneel before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names. Man, that's beautiful. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with his power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray being rooted and established in love. That y'all may have power together with all the Lord's people. 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that y'all may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. So leave that up there for a minute, Anne. Because when I read this verse, and it gets to where you're talking about how, how, like how long and how high and how deep and wide is the love of Christ. When I read that earlier on, like in my, earlier on as a Christian, like it became like an individualistic verse. Like I wanted that. Like I wanted to see it. Like I wanted to see how long and wide and deep and high the love of Christ is for me. That's kind of how I read that. But did you catch that verse? It says, together with all the Lord's holy people. So as you read this passage, it seems like there are some aspects of God's love and grace and mercy and power that we will never see by ourselves. It seems like Paul is saying that sometimes we have to get outside of ourselves and try to find other people who are not like us and create some kind of unity and community with them. It seems, especially in verse 18... In order for us to know how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, it's directly related and connected to being rooted and established in unity with people, the majority of them who are not like us. So what if, like the truest experience of God, it says all the, it says you can experience the fullness of God. How is that even possible right here, right now in these, in these times? It says the truest experience is revealed to us when we start living out this community and unity with other people. With other people, the majority of them who are different than us. And ladies, like so many people have texted and called us and they want to sit by people they already know at the garden Right? And I'm not picking on just the ladies. I'm guilty of this when I go to events or something. You want to sit by people that you know that you already have a relationship with. And that's not bad. But what if instead when we went to these events, we prayed, I want to sit by somebody with a past. I want to sit by somebody who got some shame in their lives. Like, God, bring those people into my life. And then what if during this event you sat there and you talked to them and you got to know them so well that by the time this thing was getting close to being over, they started to find out some of the shame and some of the pain that was in your life. What if we just went to an event like that? But this is what the church is designed to do. And again, when I say the church, it's all of us collectively, like going out. And by worldly standards, this is crazy, right? It scares me when I have to think about this stuff and getting around people that I don't really know and don't fully understand. It makes me uncomfortable. Like it scares me to death sometimes. I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. And most of you all know, like Katie and I, we're not super peoply people. We're just not, right? <laughs> We go home after this thing is over on Sunday, and we shut our gate, and we don't talk to each other for hours, right? Kids come in the living room like, this is the chill zone. Unless you're bleeding, we don't want to hear anything, right? Because that's how we recharge. But, man, we, over time, we've come to realize that when we live like that, with our gate shut and our hearts closed for weeks, months, years, like we miss out. We've missed out on a huge part of seeing God's love manifest in our lives, early on. 
We missed out on seeing God's plan early on in our life. We really did. We missed out on seeing God's calling on our lives early on. I'm telling you, you can't do this thing alone. You need community and unity with other people. But when you do that, you can see God's manifold wisdom start to be revealed to the world. Man, we can see somebody's shame turned into God's glory. But when we live in isolation, we don't see that. We miss seeing shame turned into glory when we live in isolation. And men, men are notorious for this. You cannot do this thing alone. You cannot live in isolation. Like you just can't. Like you have to be rooted and established in Christ's love first. And then you have to find other, other, other men, other people that, to, to, to develop unity and community with. And I've seen this in the men's ministry. Like I've seen people from different social statuses. I've seen people like with different stages of life. I've seen people with totally different backgrounds. And, and, they, and they're rooted and established in Christ's love first. And then they come together and I see God do this man, like magnificent thing. And people, they come to us, I don't want to be in a group with any old people. I need to, you know. No, it's not all about that. That matters some. But what really matters is that you come rooted and established or trying your best to be rooted and established in Christ's love first. And Katie, like we've seen this in the connect groups. We see people with very little commonalities. And they go, I don't even know this thing. But they come together and they're rooted and established in Christ's love. And then we see God bring these people together. And we see this unity and community that baffles us sometimes. But it's also so beautiful at the same time. We've seen it. And I believe we're going to see more of this. Like the garden's coming up. It's not too late to sign up for the garden conference. Like God has something for you there. And they have been praying this verse at the garden for like a year now. And I just want you to listen to this verse and see if it sounds familiar to you. You can just close your eyes or whatever you want to do. But listen to this verse. And remember when we read this, you, word you, should be... Turn to y'all in your head. So it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen y'all with power through his spirit in y'all's inner being, so that Christ may dwell in y'all's hearts through faith. And I pray that y'all, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. And here it is, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. Is that incredible? It's amazing. That you may be filled, just gets better, to the full measure of all the fullness of God. And that's not talking about some by and by place. That's talking about right here, right now, in East End, Arkansas, on the internet, all over the world, this can happen. This prayer is not something that can be lived out in isolation. It just can't. This prayer is, and I want to see it, but this prayer is only something that can be seen in community and unity together with all the Lord's people. Like this should be the vision of the church. This should be your vision for your life and my vision for my life. This is how shame is turned into glory. This is how outsiders become family. Paul is saying... It's time for us to start living like we've actually won the supernatural salvation unity championship. 
And so I, if I was sitting out there and even asking myself, so what does that look like? How do I even do that? What do I have to do? To, like, I don't even know where to start, Chris. The first thing I would say is, like, how many of you are in a group? Like, we have almost 400 people in a group here at Grace. We see unity and community all around us. If you're not in a group, you're missing out. So how many of you serve at this church or somewhere in your local community where you get outside of yourself and you make a difference where it does not benefit you? It doesn't have to just be here. And here's a good one. <laughs> like, how many of you get here or someplace just for the sole purpose of meeting someone new. Like 10 minutes early you get here and you look for somebody you don't know and you actually go up and talk to them and then you remember their name next time you see them. How many of you are like Tommy? Tommy gets bored at his house. He goes down here to the hardware store. He gets a bag of popcorn. He starts roaming around the aisles eating popcorn, talking to random people, inviting them to church. That's probably too much for me too, right? But really, how often do we get outside of ourselves just for the sake of community, just for the sake of creating unity, just for the sake of the gospel, just for the sake of showing Christ's love to the world? And man, I hope and pray that there are some people in here that want to experience this because I want to experience this. Like I want to know the fullness of God's love that can be manifest right now right here. But I can't do it alone. Like I want to know and I want to see how long and how wide and how deep is the love of Christ that he has. But I can't do it alone. And like I'm willing to sacrifice my personal comfort level on this. I really am. Like I'm trying to get outside of myself. I'm trying to find difficult situations to put myself in just for the sake of the gospel, just to talk to people who aren't like me. And I also think this is something we should get excited about. If you really believe that you've won the Supernatural Salvation Uni Championship, like this should be something that we're super excited about. And so, band, you guys can come on back up. But I really believe that we are on, like, the verge of seeing something amazing here, Grace. And I don't want to, like, say that we're not so blessed here and so, like, just super blessed. Like, God has just given us mercy and grace. Because I don't know how all this even works, but somehow God does. But I believe there's more. I believe there's more. There's almost 1,100 houses coming up around us right now. And we can't wait to be rooted and established in Christ's love four years from now when all these people are looking for some place and they're trying to play, they're trying to find a place to get rid of their shame and their guilt and their pain. No, we got to get rooted and established in love and community now. Like we need you guys. We need you guys to step out in faith. We need you guys to step out and say, man, I want to see the fullness of God's love right here in Eastern Arkansas. Like we need it. And I pray that you want that too. And so during this last song, like if there's somebody that's, you know, ticked you off, made you mad, and you can't forgive them, I pray that you can forgive them today. Maybe start working on building unity and community with them. If there's somebody at work that's totally different than you, I pray that you can find a way to start building community and unity with them. I pray that over the next week, Man, that you would live like people that have won the, uni like the national, the supernatural salvation unity championship. So during this last song, let's let it all go. Amen.
If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.